Amen. I hope your hope is in Jesus. We're in Luke chapter 10 this morning. Thank you, Gary, for bringing this out every week. And uh, y'all pray for Gary tomorrow. He's going to have some, some tests done. And uh, I know you all love him. So pray for him. Uh, this morning we're going to talk about rejoicing in the harvest. And uh, we are in Luke chapter 10. You know, Luke chapter 15 verse 10 says that there is joy before the angels uh, of God over one sinner who repents. Joy to the angels every time a sinner repents and believes upon the Lord. Anybody want there to be lots of joy in heaven this year? Yeah. How about joy in the church this year? Yeah, so we got to labor and we got to pray. We're going to talk about that this morning. We're going to talk about rejoicing in the harvest. If you find your place, I invite you to stand. Luke chapter 10. We're going to read verses 1 through 4 and jump in here. I just want to thank you again for giving to the Lottie Moon Christmas offering. Uh, you all gave over 18000 last year. Thank you for that. That's awesome. Our, our goal was thirteen. I'll just aggravate Danny one more time and say we smoked it. Y'all smoked it. And uh, just thank you for faithful giving and serving in 2019. Thank you for that. Uh, what a blessing that is. And uh, we're asking the Lord to do a lot in 2020. And uh, so let's look at God's Word. Uh, Luke 10, after this, the Lord appointed 72 others and sent them on ahead of him, two by two, into every town and place where he himself was about to go. And he said to them, The harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. Go your way. Behold, I am sending you out as lambs in the midst of wolves. Carry no money bag, no knapsack, no sandals, and greet no one on the road. Father, today we invite you, we, we ask you to teach us. We pray your spirit would send out laborers. Lord, we want to be faithful in this this year, to go and to labor, to sow seeds, to water seeds. And Lord, we know that uh, if we'll be faithful in that, you'll bring the harvest. And we'll rejoice and celebrate that. We pray for that. Even this morning, Lord, will you convict someone today and save them? And we'll celebrate that. And Lord, for the church, we pray you'd stir our hearts in regards to, to laboring for the sake of the lost. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated, and when you came in, hopefully you got this card this morning, and it says, who's your one? And uh, we're kicking that off this morning, and here's what we're asking you to do. We're asking every member to, to identify someone that you will pray for. I hope you pray for them every day this year, and ask the Lord to save them. And not just save them, but ask the Lord to give you opportunities, maybe to take them to, to have breakfast with them, or lunch, or dinner, to invite them to your house. Uh, share your story, share the gospel with them, uh, at, at least invite them to church. Uh, if they come to church, we'll be faithful to, to share the gospel. Uh, next Sunday in particular, I'm going to talk about the gospel and how to share the gospel. And so bring them next week even. Uh, and, and so that, that's what this is. At the end of the service, we're going to ask you to bring your card forward and and uh, you can uh, begin to, to pray for your one and uh we're going to get those names. We're going to put them on a board. We're going to spend the year. We're just going to pray for them. And every time God saves one of them, we're going to celebrate. And uh, I hope we do a lot of celebrating this year. And Listen, if we baptize somebody, I want you all to get up and holler if you want to. 
I mean, this is better than a touchdown or a three-pointer. This is, this is what it's about, is seeing people saved and following the Lord in baptism. And so I hope we do a lot of screaming this year at Burlington Baptist. And uh, so we come to Luke 10, and Jesus has spent time teaching and discipling and leading his disciples. Back in chapter 9, verse 2, he, he sends them out. He, he's got these 12 men. Uh, he's poured into them. He sends them out. Uh, you can look back there and see it. He sends them out to, to go out and proclaim the kingdom of God. Chapter 9, verse 2. Along the way, others decide that they want to, to be followers of Jesus. And uh, often we find Jesus, he's teaching there's a multitude of people. Sometimes they just come to see the miracles. But often when they hear Jesus and they see Jesus, and they, they decide they want to be his followers. And so that's what we have in chapter 10. And chapter 10 really shows us what we as Christians, followers of Jesus, what we should be doing. And specifically, that's to go out and to share the good news with others, to love and minister to our neighbors, and, and to worship God. So uh, as we kick off, who's your one? We're going to do a lot of praying and for the harvest and uh, tomorrow night, we're going to just meet at 6 o'clock right in here. And uh, if, you're, if you're available, we invite you to come. And, and you can share the name of the person you're praying for. You can tell us a little bit about them. Uh, we we want to join you. and I want to join you in praying for, uh, for someone in your family or your neighbor or coworker to, to be saved. And uh, this year, we're going to have extra time of praying and, and laboring in the harvest. And, and we've got this anticipation that the Lord's going to bring the harvest and we're going to get to enjoy it and rejoice in it. And here's what I want to ask you to do this year. I, I want you to come with anticipation uh, of God doing something every week, of God saving someone and changing someone. I, I told them that the, the statistics say that the average church member now only attends 1.6 times a month. And I don't understand all that, but... Uh, it used to be 3.2. So the average church member used to come at least three times a month. Now it's less than two. And I know there's lots of things that go into that, but, you know, I wonder if maybe uh, a lot of people didn't see, see God doing anything, and so they just didn't come. And uh, what if God just started moving every week? And what if you missed something when you wasn't here? Uh, wouldn't that be awesome? You can't miss church because you might miss what God's doing. And so we're going to ask God to do that. This morning, three things that we will consider before we can rejoice in the harvest. And we'll see that here. Verse 1 of chapter 10 says, after this. So at the end of chapter 9, uh, Jesus is, is talking about, if you want to follow me. He, he says, count the cost. Foxes have hoes. Birds of the air have nests. The Son of Man has no place to lay his head. It's going to be costly. It might cost you family. It might cost you something to follow Jesus. He, he tells them about that, warns them about that. After that, it says that the Lord appointed 72 others. Now, some translations say 70, some say 72. And this is one of the few areas in the Greek where uh, there's, you could argue either one of them, 70 or 72. And we, we don't have to make a big issue of that. 70 or 72, he sends them out. And notice that's what he does. He sends them. Apostello, it means to, uh, to send out, to order, to go to an appointed place. And so Jesus says, here's what it costs to follow me. If you want to follow me, I'm going to teach you, and then I'm going to send you out. And yeah, that's part of it. And so the first thing, if we want to rejoice in the harvest, we must first declare the great commissioning. The great commissioning. The Lord sends his followers out. Uh, now, back in chapter 9, verse 44, it says that the uh, 
the Son of Man is about to be delivered into the hands of of man. He, J- Jesus knew that his time was near, that he would soon be going to the cross. Uh, he has taught these followers many things, and now it was time to send them on ahead of him. And he sends them out two by two into every town. Uh, why two by two? I, I don't know about you, but I, I like having a partner when I'm talking to someone about the Lord. I like knowing that while I'm talking, someone's praying, and while they're talking, I'm praying, and, and uh God uses that sometimes, and so he sent them out two by two, and I I just want you to think about how exciting it was for them. Uh, This is the first century. Uh, They had been told about this coming Messiah, and now Jesus, the Messiah, has come, and they get to go tell people the Messiah has come. They get to announce this, this good news, and Church, I don't know if we realize the privilege that we have when we share the gospel with somebody. We get to tell them the good news of how to be saved, how to come into the kingdom, how to have eternal life. And that's pretty good news. We get the privilege of sharing that with someone. 2 Corinthians chapter 2, listen to these words. 2 Corinthians 2 verse 14. But thanks be to God, who in Christ always leads us in a triumphal procession. That means that as believers, we're going to be in the victory parade. That's good, isn't it? And through us, he spreads the fragrance of the knowledge of him everywhere. The fragrance. You all know what a fragrance is. He spreads that through us. This is talking about his believers, the church. For we are the aroma of Christ to God among those who are being saved and among those who are perishing. We're we're the aroma. We, We ought to be a good aroma if we're the aroma of Jesus. To the one, a fragrance from death to death, and to others, a fragrance of life to life. Who's sufficient? In other words, Paul's saying, listen, we get to take Jesus to others. And for some, we are the aroma of life. We, they come into life eternal. Now, some don't. Some don't respond to that. But, but to many, we become the aroma of Christ from life to life. What a privilege. I, I think about uh, doctors who get to perform surgeries or EMS or firefighters. They, they get to do certain things maybe to protect or save life. Listen, as believers, we get to share the gospel, which includes an offer of eternal life. That's, that's exciting, isn't it? I know when I preach a funeral, I'm glad when someone is saved and I can tell about the hope that they have in Christ and they have eternal life. Let's, let me ask you this question. What, what do saved people do? Well, they worship and we'll get to worship uh, for all eternity and we'll get to enjoy the presence of God for all eternity and we'll, we'll get to serve the Lord for all eternity and we think, well, why doesn't God just take us to heaven when we get saved? And the answer is because he's got something important for us to do. And that important thing is to take the gospel. It's called the Great Commission. It's to go and tell the good news, to, to make disciples, to tell people how to be saved. And, and listen, we will worship and praise and fellowship. and so We'll do all those things for all eternity. But one thing we won't do in heaven is we won't evangelize the lost because it'll be too late then. And so we've got to do it now. And so the primary task of the church is to evangelize the lost. And so let me just point out that in verse 1 here, after this the Lord appointed 72 others. Let me just point out that word others. This is not the, the apostles. They're back in chapter 9. He's already sent them out. 
These are others. And, and so what I just want to point out is you don't have to be an apostle or a disciple or a, a pastor. Or This is just the believers. This is for you and me. Listen, the Great Commission is for all of us. And I notice what Jesus says before he sends them out. He, he says in verse 2, the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. The harvest is huge. It's, it's plentiful, but there's not very many laborers. Now, that's a real problem. What should they do about that? Pray. Pray. What do we pray for? Well, the first thing Jesus says is to pray earnestly for laborers. The harvest is plentiful. The laborers are few. Therefore, pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. I, I can't tell you how many times in the past 20 years that I've been disappointed with the number of laborers who are willing to evangelize the lost or, or even to, to visit somebody to sow seeds of the gospel. Listen, Jesus wasn't lying when he said the laborers are few. He, he wasn't lying back then and he's not lying now. And so Jesus said to pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers. Now, do you think Jesus wants people to be saved? Let me ask that again. I don't know. Do y'all think Jesus wants people to be saved? Shake your head. Yes. In Matthew 9, Jesus saw the people in Matthew 9, 36, and he had compassion on them. They were harassed and helpless, and they were like sheep without a shepherd. He, he cared about the people. And so... Uh, pray. Now we wonder, why, why didn't he says the harvest is plentiful, why didn't he just pray for the lost? Well, let me ask this question. How, how often do you get on your knees and pray, Lord, send more laborers, more witnesses for you? And so, what I've been doing since studying this again is I, I'm just, I'm going to pray more earnestly, more regularly for the Lord to send out, to call out laborers here at Burlington Baptist Church. And here's what I know. If we genuinely get serious about asking the Lord to send out laborers, here's what I know. When we pray that, you know what the Holy Spirit's going to do? He's going to get in our business and say, maybe you could be an answer to your own prayer. Ask for the Lord to call out more and to send more, but, but maybe you, as we pray, maybe the, the Spirit knocks on our door and says, maybe you can be an answer to that prayer. And you might just, while you're praying for laborers, you might just get convicted about your neighborhood or your family or, or your workplace, and you might go after them with the gospel, and you might begin to sow seeds and water seeds. And, and I mentioned this, I, I should let it go, but in August we had this invite your one day. You remember that? And we asked everyone to invite someone and bring them and, he, I should let this go. I told him I should let this go, but some of you didn't do that, and I haven't let it go, have I? And uh, I don't understand why you can't invite someone to come and and to hear about the one who laid down his life so you could be saved. I don't understand that. And I, I just I really can't understand why followers of Jesus aren't more concerned about the lost. I don't understand why we don't obey the Great Commission. Sometimes I don't understand why I don't want to obey it more. And so the point is to pray for laborers. And listen, he, he didn't say pray for spectators. We got plenty of those. He said pray for laborers. Laura back there, she's on the nominating team. We, we got all the spectator positions filled. 
It's easy to recruit spectators. And some of you have had those jobs, and you don't have any plans on giving them up. Unless the Lord gets a hold of you. I'm asking him to. Get a hold of some of our spectators. And change their hearts. And they may become not spectators anymore, but they may become laborers. So, Burlington Baptist, let's pray for laborers. Those that will go out there and sow seeds of the gospel and water seeds. and So pray for the laborers, all right? Put that on your prayer list. And secondly, pray for the harvest. Now, why is it necessary to pray for the harvest? Now, wouldn't you think that if these 72 went out there and, and, and Jesus gave them some special powers, in verse 9, they, they could heal the sick and they could cast out demons and they had signs and wonders. Wouldn't you think that if they went out there and they did those things and they announced that the kingdom of God has come, wouldn't you think that there would just be an immediate response? I would think so. And I've said before that if you know what Christ has done for you, you know that Jesus came to earth and he went to a cross. He took your sins upon you. He died for your sins. If you knew what Jesus did for you and you leave without trusting him, that's crazy. I've said that before. I still believe it. It's, it's crazy for people to know what Jesus did for them and not believe upon him. So why don't people respond when you share the good news? Well, Paul tells us in 1 Corinthians 1.18, he says that the, the word or the message of the cross is folly. The word of the, the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing. To those who believe, it's the power of God. We, we believe in the, the cross. We, we believe in its power, but to, to many, it's, it's foolishness. And so we have to pray, church. We have to pray that God would open their eyes and that he would soften their hearts so that they could see and understand and, and respond to the gospel. There's an enemy who doesn't want that. And so we must persistently pray that God would bring in harvest because the enemy has blinded their eyes and they can't understand the beauty of the gospel. And so we pray for laborers, and we pray for the harvest, and then we must go. Verse 3, go your way. Church, it's important that we go. Listen, if you hear anything this morning, I want you to go and take the gospel to our community, to the world. Why do we do that? Well, our Lord has commissioned us. The Great Commission, isn't it? Matthew 28, 19, go and make disciples. Therefore, Go. As you are going, make disciples and teach and baptize, but, but go, share this good news. Listen, I, I believe in the power of the gospel. I've seen it change lives. Hebrews 7, 25, he's able to save to the uttermost those who come to God through him, through Jesus. God is able to save if you, listen, there's no one beyond the saving power of, of Jesus Christ. No one. He has the power to save. And here's what I believe. We can go out there and proclaim the gospel. And according to, to Romans 10, 13, everyone who calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. We believe that, don't we? We take the gospel. They hear and respond and cry in faith. They can be saved. Now, in Romans 10, Paul asks some questions in regards to calling on the name of the Lord. Here's what he says. He says, how can they uh, call on him in whom they have not believed? And how can they believe on someone they have not heard? And how can they hear unless someone preaches or proclaims this news and and how can they preach it and proclaim it unless god calls them and listen here's what we know god has called us to go there's no excuses for that and so here's what romans 10 basically says is as god calls us and as we go and proclaim the good news some will hear and th those who hear some will believe and those who believe will call upon the name of the lord and those who call upon the name of the lord in faith he will save them 
Amen? That's the way it works. So Romans 10, 17, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God, the word of Christ. And so that's why on Sunday mornings we just we preach the word because the power is in the word. I told them I don't tell a lot of booger jokes and stuff. I, I, there's no power in that. That might be funny and some people might come for that, but the power is in the word. Faith comes from hearing and hearing the word of Christ. And so God commissions us to go out and proclaim the gospel and, and we become his instruments of salvation to those who hear and believe and call out to him for salvation. So not only do we declare the great commissioning, but secondly, we, we need to disclose the grim conditions. Anybody watch the news? It's dark, isn't it? There's lots of darkness. It gets darker all the time. And, and we see, all, I mean, we, we've seen darkness. And we see the moral decline. We read this week about a denomination. They're thinking about splitting over something that's pretty clear in the Bible about marriage. They're going to split over that. Well, th- th- that's just the, the, the climate that we live in. It's the darkness. And it, I want you to notice what Jesus says about the grim conditions. He says there in verse 3, I'm sending you out as lambs in the midst of wolves. I don't know if y'all don't know much about animals. That don't usually go very good. But Jesus says, listen, I'm just going to tell you. And so we need to accept the hostility that's involved in the harvest. Jesus never says it's going to be easy. Don't hear me this morning saying, now this is going to be easy for you to go share your faith with someone. It's not going to be easy. It's not going to be safe sometimes. So what do we do when we face danger and hostility and the fear of the enemy? Well, listen, we pray. (laughs) Pray for what? Pray for boldness. The early church, was it easy for them? No, it was dangerous. They lost their families. They, they got killed. They got thrown in prison, beheaded. I was talking about Acts chapter 4. You, you remember uh, when they got Peter and, and John and, and they threatened them and they said, uh, Acts four eighteen. they called them and charged them not to speak or teach anymore. Don't you mention Jesus anymore. You're going to get in trouble. What did they do? Notice verse 29. Here's what they pray. Lord, look upon their threats and grant to your servants to continue to speak your word with all boldness. Give us boldness. Now, we got the church today. We're praying for safety and health and the economy, and we're praying for the saints not to go to heaven, and they pray for boldness. Maybe we ought to pray for boldness. Chapter 5, they're still at it. We could keep walking through, through this. And chapter 5, verse 25, someone came and, and told, this is the officials, look, those men that you put in prison, you know what they're doing? They're in the temple. They're teaching the people. They're still telling the people about Jesus. We thought we told them not to. Verse 40 says, when they called the apostles, they beat them and charged them not to speak in the name of Jesus, and they let them go. And they left the presence of the council rejoicing that they were counted worthy to suffer dishonor for the name of how many of us suffer for the name of Christ? I don't think any of us probably can raise our hands much, can we? we but we, we've gone to such an extreme. Many of us, we, we, we hesitate to even call ourselves Christian. We, we don't even mention the name of Jesus. When, when is the last time I, you heard of someone losing their job because they, they wouldn't stop witnessing for Jesus? I wish somebody would. I think I could get Danny and the 
the Dollar Club to support someone who lost their job because they couldn't help but talk about Jesus and they get, let them go. I, I wish we could just be bold. God, give us boldness. Paul in Ephesians 6, he talks about the armor and he says, put it on, the helmet, the shield, the faith, all that, and pray. And then, and then in, in Ephesians 6, 19, he says, and, and for me, pray for me. Now, he's in trouble in prison for this already, but pray that words may be given to me in opening my mouth boldly to proclaim the mystery of the gospel. So Paul says, pray that I would continue to be bold. Listen, I, I want you to pray that for me. I, I'm as coward as the next guy. So if you want to pray for something for me this year, pray for boldness. And as you pray, you ask the Lord to give you boldness. Every morning when you get up, just try to pray for your one, pray for an opportunity to, to be a witness, and pray that God would give you boldness. Lord, give me opportunities today, and when I have them, give me boldness to speak. Ask the Lord for that. Not only do we need to pray for boldness, but we need to pray for faith. Notice verse 4. Take with you no money bag, no knapsack, no sandals, and greet no one on the road. In other words, you've got to walk in faith. You got to trust God for your provisions. You got to trust God for your food, for your drink, your lodging, your wages. You just got to don't take any of that. Jesus said, and I don't think He tells us that necessarily, but He tells us to walk in faith, doesn't He? And that would have scared me to death. I, when I go on a mission trip, I like to know where I'm going, where I'm staying, what we're eating. I, I like to know all that. Jesus said, "Don't worry about that. Walk in faith." Now, people often say, "Well, I'd go on a mission trip, but I can't afford it." I don't have the money. No, what you don't have is the faith. Come on. Our, our father, he owns the cattle on a thousand hills. You think he could afford to send us on mission? I, I've never seen nobody want to go on mission that there wasn't provision for him to go. We just, we lack faith. I, I'm convinced if you want to go on a mission for the Lord, he will provide. Listen, Peter would have never walked on water if he hadn't got out of the boat. Some of you, if you, you, you got to get out of the boat. You gotta have some faith. Hebrews eleven six. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. Listen, when I felt called to full time ministry, I I I wanted to preach His word, but I I had a good job and I was comfortable. We Jenny and I were comfortable, and but I just come to a point where I realized I can't walk with my master if I don't follow him. And I can testify He was faithful every step of the way. And I, I can promise you, he'll be faithful to you. And there's been times where I, I've not had faith, and I've tried to figure everything out. And I just, I just want to stand before you to tell you that he is a faithful provider. He is Jehovah Jireh. And listen, if he puts a calling on your heart, a mission, a burden, just follow him. He's faithful. You, you can trust him. And pray for faith. I mean, there's oftentimes I have to echo the Father in Mark 9, 24. Lord, I believe, but help my unbelief. I, I believe in you, but I just, I, there's times where my faith's not strong. I just confess that to God. And so not only do we accept the hostility that might be involved, but then we assert the urgency that's implied. Notice in verse 4, don't take no money bag, knapsack, sandals, greet no one on the road. Or What's that all about? Jesus didn't want their baggage to slow them down, and he didn't want them to be delayed by elaborate greetings. In that culture, they, they would, uh, their greetings had a lot of formalities, and sometimes they'd have to have some meals together and just lots of, lots of uh, other delays. What Jesus is saying, listen, the harvest is plentiful. It's ripe. It's time. 
We don't have time wasted on formalities and there's work to be done. In verse 7, if someone invites you in your house, stay in that house. Eat and drink whatever they provide. Don't be going from house to house. This bed's not soft. This food's not good. It's, no. Don't waste time moving from house to house. It's, it's urgent. It seems like the church has lost the urgency to make Christ known. Now, listen, life is short. You know that. I, I tell them, I feel like I'm still young and I, I'm, I'm not anymore. I, I graduated over 30 years ago. I don't feel like I should. But it, that's what life is. It's, it's quick, isn't it? And I do, I do lots of funerals, and uh, people are dying. Church, people are dying every day, many of them without Christ, and they're going to a Christless eternity, a real place the Bible calls hell. And we've got to tell them about Jesus. And so when the Lord sends us out, we, we go with boldness, with faith, and with urgency. Listen, some of the people you identify this year... I, Maybe they've been on your heart for a long time, but, but maybe now's the time for you to talk to them about the Lord. And then the best part this morning, we delight in the glorious consequences of our labor. In verse seven, 17, the 72 returned with joy. They said, Lord, even the de- listen, we, listen, God, you won't even believe all that's been going on. They, they returned with this gladness, this joy, Kyrie. Listen, the joy in service is affirmed. Jesus had empowered them, and then he had sent them out, and they had went out in faith, and they experienced the power of God. They, they experienced some things that we don't even experience. They experienced the power of God over demons, and they, they saw great things happen, and, and when they went out in the name of the Lord. Listen, the Lord sends us out with his authority. Matthew 28, 18, all authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go and make disciples. We don't do it in our own authority, in our own power. We, we don't have any power for that. I'll just be right, right, right. But I go out in the authority of Jesus. He sends us out in that. And listen, there's nothing more exciting. There's nothing that will bring you more joy than, than to go out and labor in the harvest and see someone come to know Christ personally. And then they begin to walk with the Lord. They begin to grow as a disciple. Listen, that, that will bring so much joy to your life. I promise you. And so I, I said, listen, Burlington Baptist, I, I am hungry to see a harvest, a greater harvest. And so I've been praying for 52. I'm not big on numbers again, but I, and I have such little faith. I've had to confess that. I don't know how many times. We, we're early in the year. I had to start in December confessing my lack of faith. But I'm praying for a harvest. And uh, I'm praying for boldness, for faith, for urgency. I'm praying for, you know, Lord's sending us some laborers. There's a few people coming who really got a burden for lost people. And I, I see God at work there. And listen, I'm anticipating. I mean, I, I just feel like we're going to be filled with lots of joy. And I just want you to join me in praying for those 52. Next week, we're going to have these cards. We're going to have cards numbered 1 through 52. We're going to give everybody one. You can pick what number you want, or you can just take one. I've got number one. I'm praying for the first person to be saved this year. But you, I'm going to pray for this person. And uh, when they get saved, I'm going to celebrate, and I'm going to pray for them all year. And we're going to give you one of those numbers. But join us in praying for, for 52 and, and celebrate when God saves them. And I, I want you to be reminded this morning, there's an enemy who does not want people to be saved. You know that? 
He doesn't want there to be any rejoicing going on in the church. He doesn't even want us to pray for the lost. We must pray. And what joy there is when God delivers someone who's living in darkness and He brings them to the light and He saves them. And, and so in verse 17, the 72 returned with joy, rejoicing. They began to tell what happened. And I, I told them, I, I, I hope this year we have to schedule some special services where we can just come and praise the Lord for what He's doing. Wouldn't that be awesome? Have some special services for prayer, but then have some special services where we just got to celebrate. Because God is doing what we asked Him. He's saving people. Wouldn't that be awesome? We even get Danny and the praise team to sing some. and That'd be awesome. Now, for our close, notice the end of verse 20. They're, they're excited about all that's happening. And, and Jesus says, <clears throat> don't just rejoice in all this, but rejoice that your names are written in heaven. And so as wonderful as all those miracles, the greatest miracle is the salvation of a lost. And, and listen, the, the, the thought, the the truth that God would save a, a wretch, a worm like me, that, that brings me joy. And so joy in salvation is amplified. I, I want us to look at that in closing. There, there's no joy on earth to compare with knowing that your name is written in heaven. That's what he says. Rejoice that your names are written in heaven. Here he's talking about the book of life. Uh, the book of life is referenced in Revelation 3, verse 5, and Revelation chapter 20. It's just a, it's a divine journal that records the name of all the redeemed. And Jesus said to those who are believers, Rejoice that your names are written in this book. It's present. It's a perfect tense. It's, it's, it's the sense of it, your name is stands firm in the book. Rejoice in that. Jesus said in, in John 6, 39, this is the will of him, the Father, who sent me, that I should lose none of all that you have given me, but raise them up in the last day. In other words, Jesus recognizes that the Father has given him a bride, and he says, this is the will of my Father, that I won't lose any of them. I want to raise every one of them that you've given me. I'm going to raise them up at the last day. They're written in the book. I'm not going to lose any of them. And so, church, let's rejoice in our salvation, in the fact that we are safe in the hands of Almighty God. We are sealed by the Spirit of God, and our names are written in the book of life. Now, I mentioned that there's some denominations believe that you can somehow get your name erased. I, I don't see any racers in God's Word. I believe that we are in God's hands. Nothing can pluck us out of His hands, John 10. And so rejoice in the assurance of your salvation and let that joy overflow with gratitude and service to the one who laid down his life so that you and I could be saved. And let's go out and proclaim Christ to the nations. And let's do it with boldness and faith. Uh, uh, let's storm the gates of hell with the gospel. I mean, the enemy's doing his thing, and we got the gospel. And so let's go proclaim this good news. And let's labor. Church, it's going to take some labor. We, we can pray for 52, and if we don't do anything, we, we won't see it. So let's labor for the sake of the, the harvest. <coughs> and let's rejoice with the angels every time one sinner repents and trusts Jesus Christ. Did you hear me, church? Let's pray for the harvest. Let's labor in the harvest. And let's rejoice Every time the Lord brings a harvest. And let's ask Him to bring a harvest this morning. Amen. Let's pray. Father, You're the Lord of the harvest. And we come to You this morning in prayer, in faith. 
We're asking for a lot this morning. We want you to save. We want there to be a party in heaven every time we gather because someone is brought to, to life in Christ. Would you do that this morning? Would you save someone that's here this morning? We want to see that. We pray for it. And Lord, in our church, we pray that you begin to do a work in some of our spectators. And uh, this year there'll be laborers. And they'll have gospel seeds. And they'll sow them at work. And they'll sow them in their family and their neighborhoods. They'll pray. They'll ask you for boldness and you'll give it to them. They'll ask you for opportunities and, and just be amazed at those opportunities and, and they'll see a harvest and they'll be filled with joy. Lord, we want to see that. Lord, would you give us a sense of urgency this morning? We give you this invitation. We pray that you will accomplish your purposes this morning. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Stand with me this morning. And we started uh, we started by talking about rejoicing in the harvest and maybe you, you don't you're not rejoicing because you've not labored maybe the spirit's convicted you this morning about that here here's what you do you repent of that can, can we just if someone repents that's a good thing isn't it that just means we agree with God that we're wrong and he's right and we want we say God I'm sorry about what I've not done in the past but send me out there as your laborer maybe you're here this morning you can't rejoice because you don't you're not sure you're saved you're not sure your name's in the book listen the, the gospel just says you acknowledge that you're a sinner you turn from your sins you turn from trusting in yourself and you just believe upon the name of Jesus and you cry out to him in faith and say Jesus forgive my sins and save me. And he'll do that. We invite you to do that. God came to, to save you. He came to seek and to save the lost. And so if you're here without Christ today, I, I want to invite you to be saved this morning. And then the last thing was we gave you these cards. And if you don't have one, we've got more down front. But, uh, man, this is the first service. They were responsive. But we want to invite you to put a name on that card and bring that down and just lay it on the altar. And you can pause and pray for them. You can go ahead and start praying for them now. Uh, if you don't know who that is this week, we, we can do it next week. But if you, if you know who your person is, we invite you to come and lay that at the altar. We'll begin to pray for those people. So you, will you respond this morning? This is the first step of being a laborer is to pray. And so let's get started laboring in the heart.